readers, writers, listeners, welcome. This is the Page Turners Podcast, and I am your host, Miranda, an avid reader, a novice writer, and a longtime listener of podcasts. Here we go. This is the Page Turners Podcast, episode 12. Hello! (laughs) I uh, have had that stuck in my head. It reminds me of Mrs. Doubtfire for like a couple of days. (laughs) So I had to put it out there. Anyway, chaotic beginning. But here we are, episode 12. I can't believe it still. I said that last week. I think I've said it for a few weeks. Um, But gosh, it's just so exciting. Episode 12. Here we are. And today's a cool episode because we are going to talk with somebody else who is involved with the Miss America opportunity. And so before we dive into that conversation, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit more about MAO what we do, a little bit of the background information for those of you who might not know, who might have just discovered this podcast because of a love for reading rather than knowing that I'm involved with the Miss America opportunity. So a quick little description from the website, missamerica.org, if you'd like to check it out. What is the Miss America opportunity? Well, the public perception of Miss America is often that it's one-night telecast, but in reality, it is so much more. This unique opportunity is a year-round program of style, service, scholarship, and success representing the four points of the Miss America crown. Participants acquire lifelong skills like earning scholarships, meet other like-minded women, cultivate their own personal style, and engage with their communities. For more than 100 years, the Miss America organization has been committed to empowering women to lead. So that's just kind of a quick description of what Miss America does. But there are three tiers to competing in the Miss America opportunity. There's the local, the state, and the national. So I am at the local level. I will be going on to compete for Miss South Dakota 2023 in June, not that far away. (laughs) And then whoever wins the state competition becomes Miss South Dakota, Miss California, Miss Rhode Island, etc. Then goes on to Miss America. So three tiers. And each of those three tiers has areas of competition, so you have to compete in order to continue on. There are five areas of competition, and I wanted to break those down for you guys really quickly. For those of you who might not know much about it or might not know anything about Miss America. So there are five different areas of competition that are judged. We have the talent, which is a fan favorite. It's a minute 30 of... Your talent. So I personally sing, but we've had quick change magic. We've had people do monologues, self-written poems, um, science experiments. Lots of really cool things happen in talent. Then there's the interview portion, which is a 10-minute private interview with your panel of judges. We have onstage question, which is usually two questions, and they can really be about anything. It could be, what's your favorite color? And how do you feel about literacy or how are you working to increase literacy rates? So you kind of got to be on your toes for both of those. (laughs) Then there's the evening gown portion, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You get to put on an evening gown or a jumpsuit, whatever you feel confident in and strut your stuff, show your personality. And then finally, a new addition this year, or bringing back, I guess, a little bit, is the health and fitness portion. So just showing how you stay Miss America fit, both healthy mind and a healthy body. So those are the five main areas of competition. And then before you even get to the competition, you have to fill out some paperwork. So we have what's called a fact sheet, which is facts about yourself that lets the judges get to know you before 
they get in that interview room before they see you on stage. So it's got things like fun facts, community service initiative, um, what you think the greatest issue facing your generation is. So really things to get to know who you are before they even have the chance to meet you. And then we also write a community service initiative essay so that they can get to understand our community service initiative. Mine being page turners fall in love with reading. I talk about literacy, why I'm passionate about it, the things that I've done in the last few years to try and increase literacy rates in my community, my state, and maybe someday even the nation. So those are the two things that help the judges get to know us before they meet us in that interview and then they see us on stage for the rest of the areas of competition. Now I wanted to break it all down for you guys because like I said, today's guest is another person in involved in MAO. And gosh, she's so cool. I'm so proud of this human being. She is a teen and she has been my teen before, which means that we held the same title, just one was Miss, one was teen. So I got to be her mentor, kind of her big sister for a year. And that's continued. We don't even share that teen and Miss title anymore. But I'm still so proud of this person and I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with her and for you guys to hear it. So she's a high school senior and a local title holder, like I said, for Miss America's teen. Today's guest isn't letting her age stop her from making a difference in literacy and health. So please help me welcome Natalie Beegler. So to kick things off, teen queen, hi. Um, Hello. So excited to have you on the Page Turners podcast. Uh, you were my teen last year. I was Miss State Fair. You were Miss State Fair's outstanding teen. And we yeah. both had service initiatives based around reading. But for those who are listening that may not know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Natalie. Um, I'm a farm girl. I was born and raised on the Cheyenne River Reservation. Um, I'm a small business owner, a writer, and I'm currently Miss Hub City's outstanding team now. So I'm representing Aberdeen, South Dakota. Very exciting. Very excited to see you and Miss South Dakota's outstanding team. Excuse me, Miss South Dakota team. Yeah. Yes, I know. Lots of exciting changes. Um, and some exciting changes coming for you too, but I want to talk specifically about your love for reading. Tell us a little bit about um your service initiative through Miss America and kind of what that's been the last few years. Sure. So I've had my social impact initiative, Literacy for Life, for three years now. Um, it's all about creating habits of reading in homes. Um, and I do that by providing resources and doing outreach. I've done some little libraries with you, of course, at the state fair. Um, and I've been donating books to little libraries, but I've also been doing a lot of classroom work. So I will start classroom libraries in my school. Um, and it's really powerful for children, I think, to have the books right in front of them, to have them very easily accessible, um, to you know, kind of foster that interest. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's crazy how similar um, our passions are for reading. But yeah, we, we have very similar passions for reading and we were able to kind of come together, create a little library, do some book donations. Uh, that was a really cool experience to be able to do that together um, at the State Fair last year. That was really, really fun. I also had a short stint with the Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Um, very lovely program. Um, if you're listening and you don't know what it is, definitely go look it up. It provides free books to children zero to five years old. And um it just requires someone to set it up within your county. And I did that for my county. It didn't end up working long-term, 
um, because I found there were so many people in my community who are already willing to donate books. So it felt silly to have to get them from out of state and mm -hmm. ship them in. But so, um, but if that's not something you have, definitely check out Dolly Parton's Imagination Library. Very, very well set up um, program with very good hand-selected books. Um, can't recommend it more. Plus, you can't go wrong with Dolly Parton, right? Right, of course. <laughs> so I've I've had the opportunity to ask pretty much everybody else, what could be the hardest question ever? What is your favorite book? I, I know that you, you like to read. Reading is big for you. So what would be Natalie's favorite book? Oh, gosh. Um, I'd have to say The Alchemist by Paul Coelho. And I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not entirely sure. It's a... It's a self-development book, actually, but it's told in the form of a parable. And so it's a lot easier to read if you don't like to look at all these statistics or listen to someone tell you over and over, oh, just take care of yourself, you know, love yourself. It's very, it's in the form of a treasure hunt. And the treasure at the end is, you know, finding out what your purpose and your calling is in life. And I think it's really good for people who want to start on the personal development genre of books. And that's what started me on my love of personal development books. I love that. So you are a senior in high school. I yes. read that book when I was a senior in high school. That was actually one of the last books that my English teacher required that we read. She said, I really, you know, I, I make all my seniors read this book. I think it's really impactful. And I couldn't agree more. I think that is such a great book. It's something I've held with me since I read it in high school. Um, so I love that. I love that that's your favorite book. And and also how quickly you responded to that, because there's been a lot of people who are like, man, I don't know. But The Alchemist, if anybody who's listening hasn't read it, I think Natalie and I can both highly suggest it. Yes, it's good for even people who don't like to read. My mother is one of those people who it's really hard for her to pick up a book. And she finished that in, I think, three days. It was it was short and it's just easy to read. 100%. I want to know a little bit more about kind of where your love for reading and your passion for reading came from. Cause like you just said, your mom isn't maybe the biggest reader, which is totally fine. So where did that come from for you? Sure. I think, um, you know, I say my mother wasn't a big reader, but she did get me into reading. Um, she had all these American girl books from her childhood and she started reading those to me before bed. And then, then I picked it up because I was so interested in all the history which I didn't think I really realized at the time, but I was learning so much from these American girl books mm -hmm. about these girls who were just like me, but living in different time periods and dealing with totally different struggles that I couldn't imagine unless they were put in this context. So I definitely got my love from reading from reading the American girl books. That's fantastic. I, I remember loving those books. I can picture the shelf that they were on um, at our school yeah. library. Those, those are some pretty great books. And I do love how they kind of put you, you know, they teach you history, but in sort of an approachable lens, especially for, for young yeah. women. And also I would say my grandma always read to me when I was little, which science shows is really important. Reading to children before mm -hmm. they can read themselves helps foster this interest and makes reading easier for them to do later in life when they have to do it in school or when they are out in the world and have to do it for college. So, so that kind of rolls into the next thing that I like to talk about, which is literacy rates and how we create that passion for reading. So you just said, you know, we, again, 
very similar. My mom, my parents, my grandma, they were a big part of my passion for reading. But how do we create that in other people? How do you and I, how do, you know, all of the people who are avid readers, how do we make sure that we can spread that and make sure that other people love reading like we do? Sure. I think um, resources and outreach, and that's what I've done in my social impact initiative. Um, If you have books at home that you don't use, give them to a child that you think might, or go to a program. I have a summer reading program in my um, community that I volunteer at. It's very lovely. Um, Kids come to it as a form of like after school program, you know, if parents might necessarily not have a place to um, have childcare for them, they might drop them off at the library and we do crafts and snacks. But most importantly, we get them into reading. We find out what they're interested in. And it's so fun to watch these kids who say, oh, I hate reading, you know, it's so boring to find something that they like and to, you know, develop this deep interest in it. Mm -hmm. It just takes that one person, that one book, something to spark a passion for somebody. You know, and there are so many books out there that I've said this before and I'll, I'll say it a million times again, there is something out there for everyone. It's just a matter of finding it, which can be hard, um, but I think it's really worth it when you do. I think something that's also really powerful is when teachers create initiatives in their classroom to help their students branch out. When I was in fifth grade, um, my teacher had a little bingo chart that we had to do, and we had to read a different type of book every week. So one week it was historical fiction, and one week it was a graphic novel, and that what really helped a lot of my classmates um, develop and blossom, not only academically, but in their love for reading. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to help instate that in some of the lower grades in my school now as a senior. That's really cool. I want to know, tell us a little bit more about some of the the things that you've done. Like, I think, was it maybe for Halloween, you had done um, like reading for books and stuff. Like, tell us a little bit more about those projects that you've done. Yeah, so some fun things I've done besides the little libraries and Dolly Parton's library, um, you know, making it a fun festive holiday thing. I did some trick or read, I call it. So um, I would dress up in a really fancy over the top princess dress and wear my crown and it would be like a royal library that I'd set up. I did, I think, two or three of those this Halloween. And so kids are really excited to get a free book in there. Uh, basket along with all their candy Mm -hmm. and another thing I did I started in COVID um, was May Day book um, drop off so if you're not familiar you know there's a tradition of May Day where you um, knock on someone's door and leave something on their doorstep and run away sort of the uh, more friendly version of ding dong dashing somewhere (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah it was a really good way to connect with the kids in my community with books without you know personally being there for them so So we mentioned that you're in high school, you're 18 years old, you're kind of finishing up, you know, your time with Miss America teen competition, becoming an adult, getting into college, you know, all of the exciting things. (laughs) But I think you have a really unique perspective of kind of moving from, you know, reading as a kid to reading as an adult. So what's that been like kind of finding that balance and, and bringing that into this next phase of your life? Sure. So, um, I think like most teenagers, I'm probably a little too attached to my phone. Um, So a way I've tried to um, 
incorporate my love of reading in that is using online resources like um, Kindle, of course. There's all sorts of ebooks out there. And as they get even busier, I've gotten into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Libby actually is a fantastic resource for me. It's a free online library that um, you can set up an account with with your local library for providing that they have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives you a, a world of books. I mean, not just the ones in your library, but books from all over the world. And it's been really nice to have um, because books are expensive. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, libraries are important. And so Libby is fantastic. If your library doesn't have it, ask your librarian if they'd be willing to set it up for you. Very amazing resource. So reading is accessible more to adults now than ever because Mm -hmm. we have all these online resources. So um, I would encourage any adult who's struggling to, you know, rediscover their love of reading or trying to get back into it, that they explore these new avenues. Maybe you were a paperback kind of girl when you were a kid, but sometimes it's necessary to make these changes. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with that. I have always been a book in my hand kind of person. You know, I tried to read on a Kindle. My mom had a Kindle and I could just never really get into it. But as a full-blown adult with a career and all of that crazy stuff, which is weird to think that I'm a full-blown adult. Um, But yeah, sometimes you just have to, you have to balance. And like you said, like we're always, we've always got our phones. We've always got our computers. So we might as well still use that. I mean, we can use that to our advantage and podcasts and audio books and, you know, being able to read on your phone. They're all great tools. And like you said, it, it may just help somebody kind of rediscover that passion or maybe even find it for the first time, which is cool. You know, you've got it right in the palm of your hand. Why not use Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, I think one of the biggest lies we're told as adults is like, oh, reading isn't accessible to us anymore when we have all these jobs and responsibilities, but it is, it -hmm. is accessible. It's just about finding that place where it works best for you. For sure. And I think it's balance. And I mean, I, I don't know if you can speak to this yet, or if this is something that maybe you'll still discover, you know, really once you dive into college, but it's, I mean, you're juggling so many things, you know, especially as a senior in high school, I remember getting ready for college and finishing up classes and playing sports and kind of getting through all of that stuff that some of those extra things, you know, like reading for pleasure, reading what you love to read kind of fall to the wayside and that can continue into adulthood. Um, So maybe just a reminder for you, as you kind of step into this new world of being 18 and being an adult is if you can find that balance, I mean, I wish somebody had maybe said, Hey, Miranda, remember to pick up the book because eventually down the line, I was like, Oh, wow. I haven't touched a book in a while. Um, And that's really sad. (laughs) Yeah. I have some great accountability partners. I think it's nice if you can have multiple people in on it with you, Mm -hmm. help encourage you along the way. Yeah. You know, we had like 15 minute deer circles, which is drop everything and read when we were elementary kids. And I think to myself constantly like, oh, why can't I just do that for myself as an adult, which I'm trying to do more now. I like that idea. I I forgot about that deer circles. I think we could all right now, we'll pause the podcast. I'll give everybody a second. Go in, make a reminder for yourself, set a 15 minute timer, like every day at, I don't know, a certain time of day and try and just do it. I like that idea. I think we can, we can all drop everything and read every once in a while. I like that. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you're writing something, you're working on something new. Tell us a little bit about it. I, I love getting to pick your brain. You are the youngest person that, that I've had on the podcast so far. So I love kind of hearing all that you have in store. 
Sure. So I got started writing for my local newspaper. I do agricultural articles, literacy articles, um, a couple theater scripts, and I work with the speech and debate team to help them write their pieces. But my current work in progress is a teen sex education book, actually, centered around the things that they might not tell you in sex education in middle school, like the potential dangers of different birth controls and how to take care of your hormones, you know, starting at a young age so that you don't develop these different um, health issues growing up. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, I, I knew that this was coming. I'm so excited for you to, to be able to talk about, you know, our health, um, especially as women. I think that's so, so important. And at a young age to really understand your body. But I, I think it's kind of a beautiful progression to see you going from your love for literacy to writing to moving into this sort of new service initiative. So talk with me a little bit about how you think those kind of played hand in hand. I mean, you're, you're writing a book. That's amazing. Yes, I am so excited. And it's definitely not on my own. I have a lot of help from different mentors. I've had um, doctors who have helped me with my own um, health problems. And so they've all been fantastic. But as far as social impact initiative goes, they're very similar. Um, Before I was using other people's stories to inspire children to a higher level of academia. And now I'm using my own story to inspire teenage girls to a higher level of health. So in the same way, I'm using stories to inspire and um, which I think is really beautiful and um, very me, which is what we want in this America. (laughs) 100%. I am so proud of you. You know, it's one of my favorite things about competing with Miss America is the teen program because I, I don't have younger sisters. So I've always tried in my life to kind of find that two awesome little brothers. But they're definitely not sisters. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the teen program is really, really cool because you guys are phenomenal. Holy crap. I mean, I, I wish that I had an ounce of confidence and the knowledge and the drive especially for these service initiatives and social impact initiatives platforms that we all have. It's phenomenal to see what you guys do and that you're willing and open to sharing, you know, whether it may be a story about health or, you know, something that's happened in your life or your love for literacy, whatever that may be, just to be able to share that and to share that in a insightful way, I think is a really amazing. I mean, you guys, I, I'm shocked by all of you teens. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited to see this kind of blossom and, and see you bring it to the Miss South Dakota teen stage. I think it's going to be really, really cool. I'm so excited. And definitely this confidence comes from all the practice I've gotten in Miss America. So, <laughs> Yes, this podcast is, is mainly about literacy, but I will never not take the opportunity to plug Miss America. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us for the Page Turners podcast. Make sure that you keep an eye out for the next episode. And until then, make sure to check us out on social media at Miss underscore Missouri River to keep up with all things literacy and falling in love with reading. Catch you next time.